The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Well Seekers. Hello, and welcome to Well Seekers, where we are helping you rise and come back to live the life that you want to live, helping you grow stronger and more well find your story of well from the mind down. My name's Lucia and we are wrapping up our series this week on eating related issues. And wow, just looking back, there has been some seriously incredible conversations that we've had. First, I want to thank all of our guests. Rachel Melinda, who was our first guest, she came on talking about nutrition and eating related issues. We also talked a lot about diet culture. So make sure if you missed that episode to check it out. Campbell Ritchie, former professional dancer turned makeup artist, sharing her personal story. And again, just a great conversation about the industry, how media can help contribute to eating related issues and eating disorders and she just shared her experience, her strength, and her hope so eloquently. So if you missed that episode, check that out as well. And then, of course, we had Michelle Felton, who was on talking about eating disorders and populations, specifically athletes, and also eating disorders in adolescents. So how we can help kids. And we also had a really fascinating conversation about how the age just keeps getting younger and younger. A lot of hope and healing there as well, um, talking about that. And then, of course, my personal friend and also the New England Regional Outreach Manager at Montanito and Affiliates, Kelly McAdams. She's a licensed clinical, independent clinical social worker. She was on talking to us and helping us figure out how to talk to someone that we love who we think may be struggling with an eating-related issue. So if you missed that podcast, Podcast. Check that out as well at our podcast link. Now, today's show, I think, is the perfect ending to this series. It actually turned into a seven-part series because I thought this show was so important. This show is all about prevention. Eating disorders are the number one, the leading cause of death in all mental illnesses, all of them. I just need to pause on that statistic because it is one that does not get the voice and attention that I think it deserves. The number one cause, more people are dying from eating disorders than any other mental illness. Now we're going to talk about opioids and drugs and alcoholism in in a future series that we're going to be doing, but this is the leading cause of death right now in mental illnesses eating related issues. And that's not even taking into account yet binge eating disorders, which can contribute to things like heart disease, which is considered one of the leading physical causes of death. So food is literally impacting our society at epidemic proportions right now, whether it's the restriction of food, bulimia, so taking food, purging it, or purging in some other ways like exercise bulimia or binge eating disorder. I have to say that this is definitely, you guys know at this point, impacted my life personally, but not just my life. I've seen people around me struggle, men, women, children, athletes, like Michelle Felton talked about. This touches everyone. And the ripple effect of eating disorders, it sometimes is because it's food, people just don't know what to do, right? This thing that's supposed to nourish us, people are using to harm their body in some way. I think the larger discussion, though, is what are we using our body to numb? In a lot of cases, there are things like family genetics that make you more predisposed to some of these issues. Trauma is a big part 
in sometimes contributing to eating disorders, the words that people are saying. I know Michelle and I talked briefly, but coaches out there telling athletes that they need to lose weight or they're too this or they're too that. That message from media that we're not good enough. These are all contributing factors. That's why Michelle Pierce is going to be coming on today and speaking with us about prevention and giving us the opportunity to just take a moment and say, hey, why is this happening at such record proportions? I think the reported number is someone dies every 62 minutes from an an eating disorder, but again, much larger, I think, if we start taking into account binge eating disorders. Michelle Pierce is going to come on. Michelle is the lead clinician and director of clinical programming based in Newton, Massachusetts for the Multi-Service Eating Disorder Association, an incredible organization. We're going to put their link below too. They really focus on lots of things, services, resources for people struggling. And Michelle has a wealth of knowledge about healing, about education, about empowerment, and also prevention, right? So that we can start to eradicate eating disorders. I mean, that would be the goal, but at least scale back the prevalence of it. And so Michelle will be joining us to talk about that. You know, one of the things that I think we need to also recognize, and we'll ask Michelle about this, is social media and how that is changing the landscape for eating disorders, how that may be increasing eating disorders. I was on the Center for Change, which is another great organization for people with eating-related issues, and they were talking about a research study that said 94% of teens are online daily, interacting multiple times a day, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Girls, of course, more likely to gravitate towards visually-oriented platforms like Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram, boys more often on Facebook, which I thought was interesting. The human brain doesn't develop fully until 25. So your brain's still forming and without the ability to consistently make good choices like the Center for Change points out or have the appropriate judgment that you have once your brain fully forms at 25, you're more susceptible, right, to these images, to not knowing that these images are altered, to having unrealistic body expectations that then leads to you feeling not good enough, that then may lead to you reducing food intake or trying to change your body in some sort of way. And this is the cycle that social media really contributes to. So that not good enough body body image aspect of things is a huge factor, a huge contributor, and is something that is one of the reasons we think we're seeing an increase in eating disorders. So we'll ask Michelle about that as well. So what can we do to stop this? We're going to start that conversation and I'm sure we're going to have many more, but Michelle Pierce is going to be joining us next. So stay with us right here on Well Seekers. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless, and with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data, coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico, plus text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones or bring your own. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. You're listening to Wellseekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. And we're back on Wellseekers with our guest this week, Michelle Pierce. Michelle is an LMHC and the lead clinician working for MEDA, which is Multi-Service Eating Disorder Association. 
And Michelle, you're based in Boston, right? Boston, Massachusetts? Correct. We're in Newton, Newton. right outside of Boston. Even more beautiful. Um, Michelle, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you, Lucia, for having me on. I'm thrilled to be here. So, Michelle, we are finishing our series. We did a six-part series on eating-related issues, and we talked to someone who had a personal story. We've talked to multiple clinicians um, about various populations and how to talk to various populations with eating disorders and eating-related issues. We talked to a nutritionist, really have crossed all the areas that are so important in this conversation, although we could probably talk for years about eating (laughs) disorders. But one of the things that I thought was so important was to talk to someone in the area of prevention. So we're really excited to have you on today's show because obviously the goal would be to not have eating disorders or eating related issues, right? Right. So thanks so much for, for joining us. Before we get started on that topic, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the field of mental health and specifically eating disorders? Absolutely. So what drew me to this field originally was really the hope in being able to work with people because I really find prevention and intervention, all of it begins in people-to-people connection. A lot of my earlier work focused around social advocacy and social justice. And I actually, in my undergrad, bounced around. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do political science or psychology or sociology. I knew that I wanted to be in a field where I could work in communities that that needed me and be able to influence change. So what led me to mental health was really the hope to be able to connect to people who were struggling in the world. I always saw myself as someone who could make space, help create space for people who are more on the outskirts of society, more of the misfits. I always wanted to connect with those people. Eating disorders sort of found me, I would say. A lot of my background is working with substance abuse and homeless populations, LGBTQ populations, autism spectrum disorder. And funny enough, all of those populations, there's a huge incidence of eating disorders among all of those populations. As I started working in the field and and working with different sorts of people, I started to see folks who had eating disorders. and, And I, of course, had had friends and I've met people throughout my life who have struggled and the chaos of eating disorders. My master's degree is in holistic mental health counseling, which focused a lot on the biological base of behavior as well as the somatic experience of emotion and trauma. And I just found that this population really sort of merged all of the areas of my expertise and allowed me to be able to work with people on rediscovering how to align their mind, their body, and their spirit. I love that. And I love how you use the term creating and holding space for people because so often that is not done in our society, right? It's always faster, more, better. If you have a problem, you're left behind. And creating space, I think, is actually a big part of prevention too. Well, maybe you could talk more about that. Do you see that as well, creating space for prevention in eating disorders? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I really see that's that's a major part of prevention is the need to connect, the need for support. 
I think it's so important to empower everyone, whether it's the youth, someone struggling, people in their adulthood, wherever, to, to get outside of yourself, whether it's through education, through nature, through relationships, getting involved in a movement, Black Lives Matter, the Hayes movement, Trans is Beautiful, really just discovering parts of the world that are unknown, knowing that you can reach out for support when things become difficult. In line with that, is there certain things, certain markers that you would say, you know what, this would lead to not probably completely eradicating eating disorders, but specific things that we all could do or that society can do to help reduce the number of eating related issues that do occur? Absolutely. I think that eating disorders, like all mental illness, are complex. There is no one trigger, there's no one incident that leads to development of an eating disorder. But we do find that when there is a fixation on what we call food morality, mm. good versus bad, right versus wrong, all versus nothing, when there's pressure placed on the need to live within those quote-unquote, norms, the, the, the pressure to have to be a certain way to be accepted. So what I mean by that, too, is that we take a strong stance. I take a strong stance on what we call food neutrality, that all foods can fit. Our bodies process food in the same way, and we really take a stance that it's important to model for yourself, for others, for everyone around you, for the children that are near you, the youth especially, that you're modeling that you can have a very fluid relationship with food. We encourage intuitive eating, being able to recognize when your body is craving certain things and knowing to go towards them. Right. So not saying I'm so bad because I just had pizza or I'm so bad because I just had cookies or pizza's bad, cookies are bad, that there is not that meaning to food, right? So like there is no good or bad necessarily in the grand scheme of things. Now there could be nutritional facts that make something healthier or not healthier that we want to nourish our bodies on a consistent basis with a blend of things, but not that one thing is good or bad. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. We really want the model to be that food is fuel, food is nourishment, mm. and we want people to be able to know that they're not their internal worth, their value as a person doesn't connect to what they're eating. Absolutely. How do you think social media plays a role now in diet culture, if at all? Great question. I do think it's extremely significant, the pressures of social media. Something that I constantly strive for with my clients, with people that I meet regularly, to remind them that if you're on social media, if you're using it regularly, if you have children that you're concerned about what they're looking at on social media, I always encourage people to get out there and find accounts that, again, get them outside of that mindset of the diet culture, of the stigma, of the shame, of just scrolling and scrolling through a constant highlight reel that will forever feel unattainable and far away. And what I mean by that is that I really want people to be following art accounts or nature accounts or accounts about humor, jokes, history, whatever it is that will allow them that split second when they're scrolling through that, that black hole to be able to take a break and remember that they're a part of the world. They're not just a part of this one ongoing slideshow of perfection. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's not just one image of 
perfection. And I think that that is changing. I think we have a long way to go, but I do think that that is changing. Yes, I would. I, 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 I agree that there's this very slow sort of seeping in in the world of some more gentle attitude, compassion around the stigma. And I, and I, I think social media especially timers on your phone, there's a space app, there's a lot of really great ways to be able to have reminders to get outside of that, to put it down, to be able to take a break. Because I do think it can be oppressive, as you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are other things in the prevention world that we could do to participate in changing this culture? And really, I still think eating disorders are an epidemic. I mean, it's still the number one cause of death among all mental illnesses. And I don't think that statistic is given enough attention and highlighting and regard, really, of how much of an epidemic this is. I agree. I absolutely agree. I think that people don't even realize that an individual dies every hour as a Mm-hmm. result of an eating disorder, mm-hmm. I would argue that's much higher. I would argue it's much higher too, because that's really taking into account anorexia and bulimia, not binge eating disorders, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's not taking into account all the folks that died as a result of cardiac arrest or kidney failure that is directly related to their eating disorder. Yeah, exactly. So there's so many, of course, yes, exactly. And I think, you know, certainly another major piece of prevention is representation and inclusion and being able to accept, I mentioned earlier on, Hayes, the health at every size movement, Mm. and really being able to know that body appearance shaming, weight shaming of any kind, that's stigma. That pressure gets perpetuated and we're in this sort of snowball effect that then gets passed down these messages that small is better, thin is the way, there's one way to look and that's how you look. Exactly. So I find that being able to be surrounded by all sorts of bodies, all sorts of humans, being able to embrace that body neutrality is also important and knowing that there's no right way to have a body. I think so much this idea of shaming, body shaming is still part of the punchline a lot. I find that it's still extremely acceptable to shame someone's body size. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's from a cultural perspective and really one-on-one individual, we can implement that into our lives as well. Anything else that stands out within the prevention realm? Certainly, I I do think that isolation is mental illness, eating disorders feed in isolation. Mm -hmm. And I can't stress enough how I feel that being able to have an open dialogue, there's a wealth of research and evidence that supports being with your family of origin at mealtime, even if it's one day a week or one night a week, there's a wealth of research that that can prevent substance abuse, depression, anxiety, suicidality, eating disorders. And I really see that as being so significant, again, to this idea that human Humans want to connect. Mm -hmm. I think a lot about how simple it is, the power of just sitting around in a circle and storytelling. Yeah. Being able to know that when you're struggling, you can reach out. There's no right way to be. There's no wrong way to feel. And that there'll be someone that can catch you when you need to be caught. Absolutely. So social support of some type is just really, truly imperative. Yes. 
Yeah. I mean, online, we really like to have that conversation. So you're welcome to join us online. And we have a Facebook group too for our tribe here at Wellseekers. Are there any other places that you would suggest that you love? Family's great or friends are great too. But anything online that comes to mind as a resource for people? Definitely online support. Nita is a great resource. Mm-hmm. I mentioned some of the movements before. The Hayes movement is incredible. Certainly outside of just the the eating disorder realm, Meta always can be a resource, my agency. Yep. Michelle, anything else that comes to mind when when we're thinking prevention that you want to, to chat with our audience about? I really, you know, my takeaways is remembering to not moralize your relationship with food or your relationship with self. Mm. I encourage everyone to be conscious of the way that they describe themselves and the way they describe others. Start challenging those values and and wondering about where you learned them. Are they your values or were those given to you? I always say that. Mm -hmm. Always Mm -hmm. challenge the narrative because where did that narrative come from? Our minds are story processors. So where'd your story come from? Mm -hmm. Is that from you and your values or is that from social media or something you learned in diet culture, right? Right. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Michelle, it, how long have you worked within the eating disorder community? So I've been with Meta for almost three years, and mm-hmm. I've I've worked with eating disorders on and off a little over over seven years now. And in your time, is there obviously all of these elements are important, but is there one thing about eating disorders and eating disorder prevention, maybe not even in prevention, that you just, I know and there's been some fields I've been in, I'm like, I just wish the world knew this about this specific health condition. Is there something that you wish everyone knew about eating disorder preventions and individuals that struggle with eating disorders? I think my glaring takeaway for everyone always is that eating disorders as well as mental illness does not discriminate across age, across gender, across race. I believe there are so many people out there who who think that the body that they're in or the life that they're in makes them not sick enough, not worthy enough to reach out for help. Mm. There is no, there's no look of an eating disorder. You can't look at someone's body and know whether or not they're healthy, know what is going on internally for them. And and lastly, just knowing as well that regardless, there will be support for you, whatever the issue is. I'm a big believer in the saying that it's okay to feel lonely. I think that's part of the human condition, yeah. but you're never alone. I love that. And I think that that's so true, especially with recovery, even if you don't have the social support or family support that you want. I know from even experience, you can can recover if you are struggling. Hopefully you never get there, but if you are struggling or you have questions, there's always someone out there that can help you. Even if it's not who you want it to be or think it should be, there's always people out there for you. Mm-hmm. Michelle Pierce, LMHC and lead clinician working for Meta, the multi-service eating disorder association. You can find them online. Michelle, do you want to give us all your socials, any way that people can reach out if they want more info on what you do and your organization? Absolutely. And please, anyone who liked what I said, want to hear more, want to learn more, please, you're welcome to reach out to me at any time. I'm just a phone call or an email away. All of our handles are Recover with Meta. 
if you want to follow us, we're very recovery positive. We, we post a lot of events, great ways to get connected with the community. So look us up. Definitely look them up. We'll put all their links below too while you're listening so it's easy to get to them. Um, Michelle, before we let you go, I just have one more question. What do you think it's going to take to change that statistic of one person every 60 minutes passing away from an eating disorder or probably most likely more? Mm. I think it I think it really that's a great question Lucia. I think it's going to take people uniting. I believe in unity. I be- believe in strength and change and the ability in one person standing up and saying I don't agree with this and someone else saying I don't either. That's how change happens. Mm-hmm. I really I I believe that speaking out and sharing your experiences, sharing your struggles and being able to stand for what you believe in. But then also on a more practical level, really softening the pressures around body size, around right, wrong, pressure to be trendy and fit in and have all of these really inflated ideas, the ego linked with our food. Once all of that quiets, once we go back to the really, again, baseline level of connection, community, and food as nourishment, I believe we can see the numbers go down. I love that. I think it's taking the space, like you used that word earlier, to really reevaluate what's important to you as an individual. And if you take the time, at least in my experience, you'd find that it's not so much about your size or the food you're eating, but so much more than that. Thanks, Michelle, so much for your time and for your knowledge as well. Absolutely, Lucia. Thank you so much for having me on Wealth Seekers. I'm happy to be a part of it. Thank you. And we'll be right back on Wealth Seekers. After a long day, taking time to love yourself and your friends and your family more well can be a challenge. We're so burnt out and exhausted and stressed from working so hard during the day, we forget to love the people and the places and the things that are important to us. Well, Lucia Knight is here to help. We're gonna be a retreat and a treat for your day. A place to laugh, to connect, and to learn to love yourself and others more well. We're gonna talk about relationships, ways to sleep better. We'll have expert guests, personal stories, maybe even a musical guest or two. We'll share behind the scenes into my own life as well, my friends, my family, and of course, my relationships. So close the door on your day and light up your night with Lucia at night. Also, make sure to check out more at wellseekers.com for simple and real life ways to bring wellness home. I'll see you tonight on Lucia at Night. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Well Seekers. Thanks so much to our guest, Michelle Pierce, for joining us again. What an incredibly important conversation. I feel like we could do a whole show just on this stuff. Thank you to all our guests and thank you to everyone that's been listening. We haven't chosen our next six-week topic, so if you have any input or want us to chat about and dive into and research something that's been on your mind that you need help rising and coming back from or just want to rise up into, definitely DM us. You can find us on all social medias at Wellseekers on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can always find me. I'm on Instagram at Lucia Naz, L-U-C-I-A-N-A-Z-Z, on Facebook at Lucia's page. And on Twitter at Lucia Nazaro. It's the only one that my full name was available on. And so check all of us out there. And we'll put Michelle's information below too. 
So we'll have new shows for you in about two weeks. In the meantime, we're going to take some time to rest, to restore, to make sure that we are well recovered, well coping, well calm, like we talk about here on the show, staying you know, calm, rejuvenating ourselves, restoring ourselves. And I also want to point out that our winter boxes are coming soon, and they're all about warming yourself and calming yourself and ways to cope with the stress as the holidays set in and winter sets in. At least on the East Coast, winter can be a lot to deal with. I I lived on the West Coast as well, and the season does change. I know people think it doesn't change in the same way, of course, as it does here, but there are season changes and ways that everyone experiences the holidays in some capacity or most everyone. So we're going to put a box together and I've already started assembling a box that is going to be out next month. So make sure you head over to Wellseekers and click on our private club to get more info on that. um, Or you can send us a message. As always, it's been an incredible, incredible seven weeks on this conversation. And I hope you guys will just take a second to subscribe to our podcast, the RSS feed. When a new episode hits, you will be the first to know. Also, in the meantime, we have a brand new show that is just focused on relationships, loving yourself and others well, called Lucia at Night. And we do that twice a month. So if you want to stay up to date on when those episodes just focused on relationships, loving you and others well, um, make sure you subscribe. It's all in the same RSS feed right now. So you'll get updates if you subscribe to the show. From all of us here at Wellseekers, I want to thank my support crew and staff, my editor. Thank you so much for all that you do. Sarah, my she's an editor as well. Um, and also on the show Lucia at Night, thanks to Krista for all of her support and help. Thanks to Rachel Jones and her husband who have been giving me valuable feedback on social media. And just thanks to all of you, because without your listens and listenership and just your engagement, we wouldn't keep doing this. So I know you have a lot of choices and places where you can get your information from. And we just want to say thank you for trusting us with your time and trusting us with your heart and trusting us to give you shows and make shows that mean something to you. So thanks so much. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Until then, we'll be online all the time. So reach out. All right. We hope you have an incredible few weeks and we'll talk to you real soon here on Well Seekers. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.